In this week's episode of the podcast, we go to a private training that I recently held with some of our clients, where I basically outlined everything you need to do, both mindset and behavior, to explode your business. And it challenges an awful lot of thinking for the small to medium enterprise world. And so that's why I wanted to get it to you as my faithful podcast listeners. It's long, so buckle in, take loads of notes, execute on what you learn, and you too will explode your business. All right, let's cut to the training. What I wanna spend some time on this morning is really what's the mechanism to go from where you are today to where you wanna be in the future, right? We're gonna keep it super high level and we're not gonna get caught in any weeds whatsoever. We're not gonna drag this down into the minutia of business and there's, you know, that's very easy to do because there's four billion demands on you at any given time and most of them don't scale a business. They just work, right? So I wanna keep this really, really high level and go, okay, what's the mechanism for you to go from where you are now to fulfilling the vision that you see? And this is how I kind of see a little timeline of events happening in my mind and this is just based on the people I've studied and, and my own journey and things like that. And uh, it, it's almost like this, right? If, if this is just a timeline and this is today, and that's your vision. So whatever, like you, you make it up, right? So you know, that's your big vision, right? I know many, very few of you are thinking less than 100 million in revenue, I know that. Most of you are in the billions, right? So, so whatever it is for you up here, right? And, and, and by the way, I know, I, know, I know I'm not talking about your vision being like 24 months, unless you're 120 years old. In that case, maybe you've only got a couple of months, right? But, for most of you, you've got time on your hands. And so when I pick a vision, I'm, I'm talking about the big vision that you've got, right? And I, I know many of you, you're not interested in one billion. You're going for fives and sixes and stuff like that. So that's fine, I get it. Like that, that, that vision, whatever it is, right? Big, your big vision. But here's what happens, right? Like you're on this journey and, you know, success, success is, is well, I guess it's ultimately like this, right? That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like along the journey. But, 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 but it goes... You know, it goes like this, right? That's, you know, in terms of your business, you have, you, have, you have quarters that are up and quarters that are down, and you might have years that are up and years that are down. You might have, um, you know, you might have three years of increase and three years of COVID, right? Like, like, like that's just, like, there's nothing we can do about that. that, that that's, that's like, if you look at the stock market, the stock market's never been linear, right? It's, it's up and down and up and down and up and down, but the general trajectory is up over time, right? So business is a little bit the same. Don't believe anybody that stands in front of you and says, do these seven secrets and business success will be linear. It's, it's a lie. Hey, I wanted to jump in here during the podcast and let you know about Greenhouse Media. It's one of the service offerings inside the Business Greenhouse suite of services. And it's essentially, we're a full service digital marketing agency. And there's a lot of agencies out there, but there's a couple of things that make us unique. The first thing is, is that I'm only interested in business results. I'm not out there trying to get people more comments, more likes, more shares. I just want to drive people results that matter. Good quality phone calls, good quality lead forms, ultimately the lead generator that helps you scale your business. The second thing that makes us unique is we're a collaborative team under one roof. So whereas in years gone by, you might have one provider for your website, one provider for SEO, one provider for Google, and then if things don't work, they all point the finger. We are all accountable and collaborative 
to make sure that we together work on achieving the outcomes you want. So we've got hundreds of clients and thousands of campaigns running across Australia and beyond. Uh, and Jamie heads up as head of strategy that side of the business. Jamie, why don't you tell us some of the results that we've had with our clients recently? Yeah, we've taken hundreds of businesses across different industries um, through our process. Um, some standouts for me over the last 12 months. We took a plumbing company um, from one location to four locations across three states, um, all through website built by our team, Google Ads and Facebook Ads. Um, we scaled an e-commerce business. We doubled their revenue in the last 12 months and they had their best year yet. Um, we took a mechanic in Sydney from you know, very few leads to over 350 phone calls um, per month um, over six months. Um, we also work with smaller budgets. So we took a, a small carpenter in Sydney um, with only $500 a month and got them a $20,000 job in their first month of ads. So um, a lot of good results, but they're the standouts for me in the last 12 months. Some great stories. You know, ultimately we're marketers. We're not people that just put ads together. There's plenty of those, but we think like marketers to drive actual results. If I've piqued your interest, then click on the link below, head over to our page, uh, and there you'll find a diary. You can book a time that suits you, and Jamie and I will jump on a call with you and ascertain what are the business results you need and can we get them for you. All right, let's get back to the podcast. This is how I view the journey. It's like, yeah, but there are some people who are able to make smart decisions and, and, and calculated decisions that really change the path that they're on, right? And I think one of the hallmarks of business owners that build great businesses are they're able to make really smart decisions that are thought through and calculated and, um, and, uh, and execute on them and not overthink them and they become defining moments in the business. And, and we're all making decisions all day, right? We, I don't know, we, we would all be making hundreds of decisions in a day. Some of them are wildly insignificant, uh, but I guess essential to keep the thing running, but then some of them are like key strategic decisions that, that can literally shape the journey. And so, you know, I, I look at it like this. It's like, you know, this person, you know, they, had, they made a big decision here and a big decision here and a big decision here and a big decision here, right? And, and you know, and, and off they went. And then if they had, like... Having an idea is worth very little. I don't know about you, but I have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of ideas. Executing on them is 99% of the problem, right? The idea is, is no issue whatsoever. But some people are able to execute well on their ideas and others are maybe not. So let's just take you know, somebody else's journey, right? They start out, they get to here, and they execute incredibly well on that decision, better than this blue line, and so it kicks them up a little bit in terms of their revenue. And then they get here a little bit more and they make this decision, but they do it really, really well. You know what I mean? And then they get to this decision and it really kicks them up and they get to this decision and off they go, right? The difference at the end of the journey between there and there is absolutely massive. Massive. So you've got to kind of put your numbers in there. But the difference could be, you know, if you were on the blue line that you got to a million dollars in revenue. But if you were on the green line, it might be 12 million. Like it's a significant difference if you take small decisions over a long period of time, over a 30, 40, 50 more years in business, depending on how old you are, right? But, you know, like we, always, we know that we completely overestimate what we can do in one year and completely underestimate what we can do in 10 because we never allow for the compound effect of our decision making. 
and, and again, like you just got to put in your own numbers. If you, you know, if you can see 30 million of revenue, the difference between the two lines could be gone from 30 million to 130 million if you make smart decisions and just keep stacking on top of them. Okay, it's like it's it's insane the difference that you get if you just continue and continue and stack and stack. So for the sake of the exercise, right, we'll, we'll call this, you know, the, the A curve and we'll call this the B curve, right? So which one do you want to be on? The B curve. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, the, co the cool thing is, is that it's today that you can make that decision because today you only need to make a change that's that big. It's just that over time you keep stacking, keep stacking, keep stacking, and the difference is you having influence in your community, hiring a massive team and being a minister of the marketplace, writing big checks to ministries, the difference is massive. And it starts with one change. The decision to play at 100% all in, make this next decision really count. So why is it then that some people can build a $100 million business and other people can struggle to get past 500,000? There's a lot of elements to why thousands of elements to why that would happen. One of the key elements is because the people that build really, really big businesses, what they do is they take the decisions they have to make in the future and they bring them forward to today, which is the opposite of what a lot of people do is we look at the decisions we need to make and we kick them down the road. In fact, a lot of what we do is in our mind, remember I said to you 80% of your thoughts are negative and they're on repeat. So what we typically do is we think about a decision we've got to make. We make it really scary because we, we think about it on the fly, and so we kick it. And so some people have a propensity to take big decisions, important decisions, and kick them down the road, and some people have the ability to see those decisions and drag them forward and get them done today because they know off the back of that there's another big decision that I can drag forward and I can start stacking. As a behavior and a, and a thought process, and a mindset, that right there, just that shift, could be the difference in you going 10 million to 50 million in revenue. If you, remember, this is not about where do you get in 2023. None of this is about 2023. In fact, it's probably not even about 33. We're probably talking about a 2043 horizon. Now, that scares me as a number. I never thought that I would see a day that was like 2043. That's going to happen. Here's the reality of the situation. 2043 is going to come and go. You've either built a great business or you kicked all your decisions down the road and built an okay one. That, that's up to you, right? That's up, that bit's up to you. Now, I know many of you are sitting there going, there is no way that the Lord's not coming back before 2043. I know, I know, I know, I know. And many of you have, have built that philosophy because you've you know, seen what's happening in the newspaper and the media and stuff like that. Well, you're entitled to your own opinion. But don't think for a minute you know what you're talking about. They have been saying the same thing since Jesus was like 40 and dead. Like, the, 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 this is not our first run at trying to pick the second coming of Jesus, right? So, um, you know, I still remember in, 20, in 2010 where there was those blood moons and that was it. Like, it was like lights out, right? Like, it's finishing on the 23rd of September. That's it. Like, it, last one, turn the lights out, please, was it. Like... You know, I've only been a believer since 2004, but I've been through a lot of those. This is it. This, this is it. It's like after a while, you realize, that ain't it. 
and by the way, if you do think that it's, if you do think this is the last generation that's ever going to live, then wouldn't you want to do what I'm saying with even more vigor? Yes or yes? Because the alternative is play small. That's, that's the alternative, right? So for me, that's really what I want to get to. And, um, and so what's the mechanism? What's the mechanism for you to get on the B curve and start to bring those decisions forward and not put them off? What I want to spend a fair bit of time on this morning is the concept of risk. 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 See, I even say that and some of you get a mild shudder. You know, you know why you get that shudder? Because that's what you were told to think about risk. Like I was given a data set as a kid, right? I call it a data set. It's like your parents basically just download, right, into you all the good and the bad that they have, right? And if it's not your parents, then it might be your grandparents, which is probably even so far removed that it's, a, it's really bad data. Um, and, uh, and maybe it's other caregivers, right? You know, whatever. So whoever you spent your time with and those early school teachers, they put a data set into you, right? And for some of you, that came via, you know, a Dropbox file because you're young. Uh, and for some of you, it was, a, it was a floppy disk, you're that old, right? Like in terms of where you got your data from. Um, but it's like this data, and then of course, now you're programmed to operate in a certain way. Well, what if the way that you are programmed doesn't map to building business in 2023? What if? You know, like, some of you have got, you know, iOS, and some of you are still running on Vista. Remember Vista? That thing that they quickly swept under the carpet because it was so bad? <clears throat> So, like, I'll give you an example of what I mean by the, by the wrong data set. My parents and my early caregivers tried to convince me, or did convince me for a while, that the best thing I can do with my life is go to school, get good grades, go get a job, because that is less risky. That is secure, right? Anybody else get the same data set? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, cool. You know, as a kid, when you're young, you're like, righto, thanks for giving me boundaries. I know they were trying to protect me and keep me safe. But then I, then I grew up a little bit, you know, like I got past six and went, I don't know that I can see what you're saying mapping to what I want and what I like, you know what I mean? And I, had, I, I was fortunate. My, my, I got two dads, one's biological, obviously, and he played competitive cricket. And um, for, for his whole life, in fact, he grew up at Lords playing for Lords, finishing his school. He was one of the best in the country, right? And uh, ended up getting kicked out for cheating. So that's that's clearly genetic. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, or British, I'm not sure what something. And um, and uh, but but the cool thing about that was, you know, we would go to cricket games, me and my brother, on the weekend. And it wasn't the cricket. The cricket bored me to tears, like as you could, like, like, because cricket's not sport, right? Like, it's just, it's just clearly not. What did you do? I spent five days. I nearly caught a ball. Like, it's not sport, right? The ball came near me, but I dropped it. Like, that's not sport, right? So anyway, uh, so, but, uh, but at the end of the night, when when the game was over, you know, they would all, all the t the two teams would kind of go up to this pub in this cricket ground, and, and they would hang out. And for me, 
for me, that's where I got to take stock of who's what, right? And I got to see business people who, they just carried themselves. You know, the people that had, had a bit more wealth than the people that, in the room that didn't carried themselves. And then I'd go and see everybody in the car park and I'd see the people that had business had nicer cars. And the, you know, so, so I'm doing a matrix in my mind and I'm going, that data set is not going to get me to the outcome that I want for my life. Now remember, remember, not everyone's called to business. Not everybody. If we all were, it'd be a problem, right? Because we wouldn't have a business, right? So not everybody's called a business, right? It's just that I felt like I was. And there are other people that, that, that shouldn't, right? So I have a huge amount of respect for people that want to get inside a business and, and work there and serve there and be great. I haven't. It's just not me, right? And so, so I had to go through a process of undoing this data set. Here's what I realized at a pretty young age. Hang on a minute, if I, get, if I go to school and get good grades and go and get a job, I've only got one customer. You know, like me incorporated, if, if I'm my own entity, I've got one customer. And if they do the wrong thing or go out of business, it's way riskier than if I start a business and go and get hundreds of customers. That's, you know, and so... So when I analyze risk, there is a risk to going into business. There is a risk for not going into business. Does that make sense? So for me, as I analyze my business decisions now, I couldn't care less if something's risky. Everything is risky. You can't escape risk in this world, ever. Now, some of the risk is assumed and some of the risk is chosen, right? If you drove here this morning, you assumed the risk of driving a car, right? And it was a pretty low risk because of, you know, traffic lights and roundabouts and, and things like that. It's a pretty low risk, but you ran the risk of some drunk person crossing the thing and crashing into you, right? You risked that, low risk. You didn't, eat, you didn't get up this morning and go... All right, I've got to drive to Wes's training. Right, what's the chances of dying on the road between here and there? Let me look at the amount of traffic accidents, what percentage, what... Like, you didn't do that. You just went, that's fine. Now, but there are other risks that you choose. You choose by default. They're the ones that you've really got to have a mechanism now for being able to analyse. For everything that is risky, it's also risky not to. But we don't think like that because we're not taught to think like that. We think we only see the possible downside of decision-making in the vast majority of the time. So we think about a business decision coming up that we need to make, and on the fly, our minds go to what are all the things that could go wrong. And then what we do is because we start to get a picture that some things can go wrong, we kick it down the road which is the opposite of getting on the B-curve. On the B-curve, you need a mechanism for analysing risk and then bringing that decision forward because on the other side of this decision is another decision you've got to make that has risk, which you need to analyse and calculate and think through. And then when you make that decision, on the other side of that one is another one that you need to analyse, think through, calculate, and so on and so on and so on. And when you can get into that position, you're unstoppable because you're stacking and stacking and stacking, you're on the B-curve, and the difference could be 50 times the outcome that you'll get if you're on the A-curve. But it's about risk. 
let, let's have a little bit of fun with this, right? Like, what's the risk of making a cold call? What's the risk? Rejection, embarrassment, embarrassment. There is risk, but you, for you it's not high. But there is there is risk. What else? What, what's the other risk? Like, what, what's the risk of, of making the call? Time wasting, right? So I'm going to spend this time, and they're just going to die kicker, and then I'm right. So there's a risk to make a cold call. Someone's going to—they're going to swear at me. Oh Lord, you know, if that's it, then. Deregister your ABN if that's going to put you off. <laughs> okay, it's a quick thing on ASIC. You can, you can, you know, it's. Oh my gosh, they swore at me. It's like people that Jesus hung out with. So, so I'm going to waste some time. They could swear at me. It's going to, you know, like for a lot of people, it's like they would never say this, and you guys didn't because you wouldn't in a public space. But it's like. I carry shame, and if they reject me, it will trigger me too much and affirm my shame. Like, that's the number one reason why people don't want to make a cold call, by the way. It's just no one wants to say it. Okay? So it's like, it's like when somebody thinks about making a cold call and they analyze those things, they're like, yeah, tomorrow. And then tomorrow is like, oh, next week. And then next week it's like, oh, 2053. So there's a risk to making a cold call. Is there a risk to not making a cold call? Yeah, what are they? <laughs> you, also, you also get shame. You just might get shame with an extra 50 bucks in your pocket. Yeah, it's a risk to them because you're not helping them by serving them. All right, that one's pretty easy. What about this one? Um, um, you need to follow up a quote, right? You've done a quote, you've done a quote, done a proposal, you send it out to the customer, and now it comes time to following up. What's the downside risk of following up the quote? Rejection. What else? Yeah, going to get challenged on, on what we said. I haven't read it yet. I don't want to look too bushy, eager, Desperate. It's like, of course you want to be desperate. Far out. They know you're desperate. And you are desperate. Yeah. I might have gone in too cheap. Might have gone in too cheap. I don't, you know. So it's like, okay, so there's, there is downside risk to following up a quote. Um, what's the upside? What's the risk of not following it up? You're definitely not getting a sale. See, for a lot of people, though, if we look at, if we analyze the thinking, especially when people got their sales hat on. It feels a whole lot better to have a prospect on a board than it does to rule them in or out. It's like, as long as they're on the board, you've got this vain hope. It anesthetizes you. It's like, look, the amount of people that talk to me about how much is in their pipeline. I'm like, pipeline's worth like four bucks. Conversions is where, you know, it's like, but the pipeline feels good. It anesthetizes you against being sad, right? So, 
So, uh, so you've got to go. Okay, what, what's, what, about, um, what about launching a new product? What's, what's the downside risk of, of launching a new product? I'm going to waste some time. Definitely going to waste money. It may not, I guess it, if, it's, if it's it won't work, you wouldn't launch it. But if it's it may not work, that's, it may not work. I'm going to, yeah, so time and energy. Like I'm just going to put all this effort in, right, instead of not putting this effort in and playing golf. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to train all my flaming staff against this, this new product. Oh, my gosh. Any more? All right, what's the risk of not launching the product? No growth. Loss of revenue. Stuck on the A curve for sure. What else? Left behind in the industry. So no innovation, you know, we're just going to play small. What about hiring someone? What's the risk of hiring someone? Huh? They suck. <laughs> Not as good as me. I didn't say probable, I said risk, right? <laughs> they could leave, right? So, so I'm going to put them on and then they're going to get trained up and then they're going to leave. That's a risk, right? Or I'm gonna, they're gonna, they will have lied to me and then two months into the job, I'll realize that they can't do it. Like, like, like the flaming free before them, right? I've, I've spoken to many of you before. Um, or, what are the other risks of hiring? They're going to steal from me, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll offer them a job and then they won't even take it. Culture. So they're going to dra- they could drag our, our culture so good at the minute with the three of us. Like, there's no point in having a great culture with three people, right? You're, just, you're better off to have 100 people in a bad culture, right, than three people in a good culture because you just can't do enough with three people, right? So... What else? Yeah, this one's going to go to fair work, and then I'm going to have to pay five grand, and they're going to go on compo because they're going to pick something that can't be. Yeah, they're going to steal my effort and energy, and I'm going to have to babysit them because it's just childcare standard when you employ people. I've heard it all, right? What's, by the way, what's the risk of not employing them? You definitely don't grow. You can't go anywhere. Wife leaving you because you're working 95 hours a week. In you. Come on. Yeah, part time. Miss out on revenue. Yeah. What about firing someone? What's the risk of firing someone? Fair work. You don't want dopamine hits? That's good. That's the risk. You get too much dopamine. All right. So your adrenal just... Your adrenal just burns out. <laughs> they can't get the... We can't... Oh, yeah, so I'll have to do a heap or we, we can't get through the work. Yeah. Yep. So, and then some of, you, some of them are like, well, I'm scared of firing them because they're our number one fee earner, producer. Yeah, I don't want to fire them because I feel guilty because they've just had a baby. Well, they should have worked harder if they just had a baby. Isn't that what we did? 
when we were in business and we had a baby, we went, well, I better work harder because there's another mouth to feed. And when they look like you, it's illegal not to feed them, right? So, <laughs> so it's important, right? But we get, in our head, we can be, we can see it as risky and scary, right? Yeah. If we hire someone, right? But what's the risk of not? They will destroy the culture. Yeah, lost, so we're going to go backwards in revenue. They, if we don't fire them and they stay, they drag the team down, which is hilarious because some people are also thinking, but they're my number one fear. And it's like, yeah, but if they get fired, then the other team lift their game because they're not under this toxic leadership or whatever. So you might lose one person, but three people lift their game. Like, this is why we have to be able to analyze the, the risk of the risk of yes and the risk of no, or the risk of hiring or the risk of firing, right? The risk of taking it and the risk of not because... Because I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's risk on both sides of the equation, but we don't think like that. We just see possible downside risk and then kick the decision down the road because it doesn't make sense. I'm asking you to analyze risk, right? Because there's risk to take the action. There's risk not to, right? And you need a process and a metric to be able to do that, which I will get to and I will share with you. Um, what about like marketing, right? So let's say you haven't been marketing and you, you, know, you realize, well, let's do digital and it's, you know, Thousands of dollars of investment, whatever. Like, what's the risk of doing marketing? Spend money and get no return. Are there other risks? Too much work. Reputation, good. Yep, I think that's legit. Well, I do think it's a risk. It's, I don't know that it's a great one, but it's a perceived risk for sure. People go, oh, at the moment I'm under the radar. It's like, and as soon as I market, everyone, and then everyone's going to copy me and cheat and steal. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty small risk, but it's a risk. So the purpose of this is to make you go, hang on a minute, there's, there's risk to make these decisions, but there's actually risk not to make these decisions. And what doesn't work based on that is not making a decision. Because by not making a decision, you're actually assuming the downside risk of not making the decision. So, it's, so here's the thing about risk, is kicking the decision down the road is also assuming a heap of risks. Because so, risk is both sides of the ledger. Risks of making the decision to say yes. There's risks of not making that decision to say yes on something. And so we tend to have this default mindset of like steer clear of risk, but you're actually assuming risk anyway by not making a decision on something. So it's not like one's risky and one isn't. They're both risky. And in the absence of having a process to be able to analyze, calculate, and think through risk, you will just delay decision-making because it's too much. You've already got 50 things in your head at any second or more, so that next decision just comes later and later and later, and welcome to the A-curve, which everybody can be on. You know, I think about a guy like Elon Musk, and I can't advocate for his morality because I disagree with him in nearly every area of his life. Denies God, and he's on his fifth wife, so something's wrong. I don't know if he's worked it out yet, but there's a recurring theme. 
in his marriages. And it's him. So, anybody that's like, the last four I got wrong. It's like, okay. Really. Um, but in terms of managing risk, there's probably no better person in modern business who has been able to analyze risk. Okay, so, you know, and these numbers may not be 100% correct, but, you know, he sells PayPal for 67 million. That was his payday from PayPal. Some of you are like, that's it, I'm done. I'm, that, that would be it for me. That's it. I'd be tapping out. You know what, some of you, I'm going to full-time ministry. Wait, you can't go into full-time ministry, by the way. You can't actually go into full-time ministry. It doesn't exist. That, you're already in full-time ministry. Actually, unless you're not a full-time Christian. If you're not a full-time Christian, right, then, then, then you cannot be in full-time ministry. But if you're a full-time Christian, then you're in full-time ministry, right? You can't go into full-time ministry. But so many people get, like, they would think, oh, 67 million, that would fix all my problems. No, it would give you a lot more than you have right now, right? A lot more than you have right now, right? You've all heard the song, More Money, More Problems. It's true. Um, I mean, the problems are better, but it's true, right? Um, yes, and there's a risk to not. So... Um, so Elon Musk, 67 million, payday. And all his advisors say, mate, Tesla needs all of that money. It's, you know, it's on its knees. It can't hit production. It needs a massive capital in, you know, injection. And he's like, I can't, I, can't, I can't do that because I've got SpaceX. And I've got the boring company. And he's like, he said, she says, like, they were trying to get me to pick between my children. That's what it felt like. Right? So what he does is he goes you know, 30 million into Tesla, 30 million into SpaceX, Seven million into the boring company, and then rings his mate and says, "Can I sleep on your couch for the next few months?" How's that for rolling the dice? It's like, see, for him, sixty-seven million wasn't worth getting out of bed for. It wasn't the vision. It was nowhere near where he could see himself going and what he wanted to achieve and what he wanted to build. So for him, he just rolled the whole lot back in and went and. He actually took a bed and put it in his factory and slept there for three years. But here's a guy that was prepared to risk it all. He risked it all, what we would consider a fairly good payday. 67, he risked it all. Now, of course, has it worked? Did it work out okay? Yeah. I mean, Tesla obviously had its peak. He was able to rip out. See, see, most people, most people when they get to what, what did he get to? 128 billion or something? I, I don't know the exact number, right? Most people, when they get to 128 billion, would want to pull money out, and they would want to pull money out, and they would go and buy the best real estate in the best places in the world. He pulled money out and went and bought another company when he when he bought Twitter. It's like, huh? Like talk about talk about just rolling the dice and risking. It's an amazing story in that regard. But I guess the reason why I tell that story is literally just when you've got a big vision, you know, you just, you just keep rolling and you keep stacking, right? And, and he's, a, he's great for going, you know what? I'm not going to settle for the short-term hit. I'm going to roll it in. And, and, and his ability to make decisions and just go with them are second to none because he doesn't know what he's getting into when he starts. You know, no one said to him, hey... Elon, here's, you know, here's the seven secrets to launching a space company. Just copy that. There, there was none. It was like, I'll just keep going until we figure it out. 
You know, and I think for me, that's the key here. In terms of mindset, it's like we feel the reason why we kick a lot of our decisions down the road and don't take the risk is because we think we have to know a lot of the answers before we start. And it's like, sure, you need to be calculated and thought through with your risk analysis. That's smart. But you can't know what you don't know yet. And actually, the greatest way to know what you don't know yet is to get started because then you start to realize what you don't know yet. But we can be scared of the unknown and we want ducks in a row. I'm sorry, but ducks don't walk straight, right? So trying to get ducks in a row is a bad idea, right? Um, but here, here's, here's the model. See, see, you guys are in the room today because you've been doing this your whole life. You figured it out as you went along. You couldn't walk and you figured it out. You couldn't ride a push bike and you figured it out. You didn't need to know how to ride a push bike before you rode a push bike. You just went calculated. Well, I'll learn on the grass because if I skin my knees, it won't hurt. I'll wear long pants. Like, like you, you just created some calculations and then went and tried it. And I, and I guarantee none of you got on a push bike for the first time and just rode off into the distance, right? You all had a moment where you crashed it or whatever, okay? But you figured it out. It's the same thing when you started your business, you figured it out. When you learned your product, you figured it out. When you went to uni, you figured it out. It's the same concept. But when it comes to business and making decisions, I can't do that anymore. The same thing that has got you to this point normally paralyzes us and we never do it. But actually, and we completely discount the journey, which is the best part, right? I started this by saying the journey is meant to be a wild adventure, and then you have to lean on the Lord, and in that journey, you become more like him, number one outcome. But actually, there's a whole bunch of unforeseens on the journey. So you analyze risk on a big decision, and then, and I'll take you through how to do that, and then you make the decision, yes, I'm doing it, and then you step out. Well, here's the reality. There's going to be some information at that point that you didn't know at that point when you first analyzed the risk. And that's what paralyzes us because we go, but what about the things that come that I don't know? What about the recession? What about the da? What about? So that paralyzes us. But the reality is for every new piece of information that comes on the journey, only half are negative. There's a heap of new information that comes on the journey that's actually positive and makes the journey easier. But we never think of those things. We only think of the things that could possibly go wrong. I'll give an example of what I mean. I started running the Kingdom Business Summit in 2012. 98 people in a room. Uh, next year, there was 196. 2013. 2014, we had... Um, 28, 96, 198. Well, what came the next year? What changed in the media landscape? Facebook ads. I never saw that coming. Facebook created an ad platform where you could target any interest group for $3.50 per 1,000 impressions. I didn't see that one coming. That allowed us to go to 450, 990, two and a half thousand, and explode the numbers of the summit around the country, right? Well, I didn't know that was coming when I first decided to start filling seminars. 
So not every piece of information that comes at you is a negative. I wouldn't have known. So if I needed to know it all before I started, I wouldn't have started. So some things came at me and they were negative, right? Church hates him already. All the churches hate Wes because he's talking about business and he wants to steal our business people for his own church. Some, I don't know, something. It's like, I can't let my business people go to that event because they might rub shoulders with somebody from another church and get stolen. Something, I don't know, right? So there, was, there, there, were, there were things that I couldn't foresee that as I stepped into the journey were negatives, right? I started putting stuff online about business and God and money. Well, that upset all the religious people in Australia, right? They all emailed each other, jump on Wes's thread and pull them apart, right? But for everything that was a negative, man, there were a whole bunch of positives. And I would probably even say to you that there was more positives than there ever was negatives. But I would, if I needed to know it all before I started, I wouldn't have done it. But actually, on the journey, which is what got you to this point, you're better at that than you realize, you actually get new information. And some of that information is a problem and a stumbling block. And some of it actually makes the journey easier. But we discount it. We discount that journey and never give ourselves credit for just figuring stuff out. You're way better at that than you realize. When problems come, you figure it out. So what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to free you up to be able to start making those decisions and bring them forward and start stacking decision on decision on decision to get on the B-curve. 